Well, a good morning to you all, and uh, great to be here and uh, joining our hearts together. And uh, I just want to say how excited I am that we've got now about 100 people who are reading along with us in Luke and Acts. Um, when, we com- uh, when we complete the series, we're going to go into some of the, the, the book of Luke, taking us into the Passion Week. And uh, so it's great that uh, so many people have gotten on. And I got to tell you, we have some people in this place that when you look at the time that they check in, that they read the passage, it's like in the, it, it's pushing my extreme even, like before five in the morning and all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, so great to see. And if you haven't gotten on with the program, you can still do that. So I want to encourage you uh, to... Uh, to go back. I know some of you are having a little trouble getting logged on, and uh, you can go back to our Welcome Center, and somebody who has far more uh, knowledge of these things will help you uh, than I do. Uh, So that's great. Um, We've been talking about the Word of God and, and the critical role it places in our life. Um, but there's also an issue, and that is that my clicker's not working. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Um, I want to talk just for a moment about the challenge of reading the Bible in a meaningful way. It is an absolutely amazing book. And uh, we've, been, we've been learning something about that. We'll continue over the next couple of weeks to do that as well. We're, we're discovering how powerful God's Word is and what it does. But let's be honest. Sometimes we really don't enjoy reading the Bible. Did I, did I say that? Inside voice, inside voice. Um, really, sometimes we can stumble and sometimes it's hard to read. Uh, sometimes it's boring. Did I say that? I mean, if you go through nine chapters of genealogy, where you have trouble pronouncing most of the names, um, sometimes it's not that engaging. And we know we should do it. We know there's benefit to it. But it's just tough to do that because you, you discipline yourself, and sometimes it's just drudgery that you have to do that. Uh, but to be fair, the Bible is not... In all aspects, an easy book to read. Um, It's a different era. It's a different culture. comes from a different language. Some of the Old Testament laws are not binding on us today. And, And sometimes, let's face it, we're tired or we're distracted or we may have issues or troubles and, and, and we're doing our best to read, but, but sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's difficult. And uh, we know we should read our Bible, and sometimes we don't get a lot out of it, if we're honest. And uh, perhaps your life hasn't changed as you thought it might change. Um, and, And saying all this, I'm not saying that reading the Bible can't be exhilarating and moving and enlightening and life transforming and, and experience the presence of God. I tell you, I've had times in reading the Bible where I, I just feel like God just 
lifted me up to the heavenlies and, and I was in ecstasy and just so moved and touched by the presence and the power of God as he reveals himself in Scripture. And, and sometimes Gerda and I have, when we have a time of devotion together, and, and, and uh, you know, like we're reading the Bible, and it's like I'm starting to preach this thing, and I I'm, I'm, can't sit down, and I'm reading, and I'm thanking God and praising God, and he just touches my life so powerfully. But it doesn't happen all the time like that. And so I want to ask the question, and it's this, well, why doesn't my clicker work? That's what my question is. There's another question, too. Yeah. And so I, want to, I just want to think of a couple of reasons why, why the Bible, reading the Bible, can be fruitless for us. And there are two broad categories that I want to just share with you. One is this. One is Satan. Okay, is this not, is this not going to work at all? Um, one thing is Satan. Satan is the enemy of God. He is your enemy. Uh, he, he is uh, intent on harming you, on driving you from God, on keeping people from God, keeping them from understanding and obeying what God wants. Uh, and he works in that way. And, and here's what happens. In 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 4, it says this, The God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Do you get that? That there's, that there's an evil entity, an evil spirit, who is, who is intent on blinding you and not allowing you to see and understand and comprehend what God says in his words. Why do people not get it? Because they have been blinded. In Matthew 13, verse 19, we read this. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, this, let me just take you back where this, this is. Uh, this is Jesus does the parable of the soils. He tells them uh, about different responses to the gospel. And then he unpacks it for them and tells them what actually is happening there. And so he says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches that away that was sown in their heart, the seed sown along the path. He says, some of the, some of the seed fell on a hard-packed ground and it couldn't germinate. And what the enemy did, he came and snatched it away so it wouldn't it wouldn't be able to germinate. Um, and so uh, the reason it's sometimes hard is because we have spiritual opposition from Satan who wants to make it difficult for us. But then there's something also within us, and that is sin. Our rebellion against God. The sinful state of humanity has resulted in man being able to not make sense or appreciate God's word. In Ephesians 2, we have a devastating picture of people who are not yet Christians. Um, it, it's it's a, a, really, a, a really tough thing to follow. He says, as for you, that's when you were not a Christian, 
You were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan. So you, you, you fought against it. And that Satan is the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. He says this, you're spiritually dead. I'm going to tell you, if you're spiritually dead, you are spiritually unresponsive to God. You, you have sins and transgressions. Uh, you, you won't walk in the way that God wants you to walk. You, you rather follow Satan's uh, in, uh, debauched uh, pr- uh, promoting of what he, he wants to live. And it promotes disobedience towards God and fulfilling sinful passions in our life and doing bad things. And he said, you know why? You know why you don't get it? You don't get it because your, your life is filled with sin and those things keep you from understanding God's word. There's something very powerful in here. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, must you, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now the Gentiles were the ones who didn't have the word of God. They didn't, they didn't know what God wanted. They didn't have that kind of guidance and leadership. And, and what, it, what it did was they lived in futility of thinking, empty endeavor. They, they chased after things that were empty. And, and he goes on to say, that they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Their, their understanding is darkened. They can't, they can't comprehend the things of God. It's darkened. And here's why it's darkened um, and, and separated from the life of God, because the ignorance that's in them. The ignorance, they don't know. They don't understand. The, their, their heart is dark. And, and here's what it all goes back to. It's due to the hardening of their hearts. You harden your heart toward God. You, you're obstinate toward God. You're stubborn. You're willful. And, and he says, it has a devastating effect on your being able to hear and receive and understand and put into practice the things of God. There's a serious cognitive impairment spiritually for people who harden their hearts against God. The hardening makes them ignorant or without knowledge. And they live in a darkened state. And it can be absolutely, you can be absolutely intellectually brilliant. I have a, uh, a person that I know who is absolutely brilliant in terms of IQ off the chart, makes me look like a, a kindergartner, um, and, and uh, a PhD in math, and, and uh, a professor teaching, And yet his life, addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, couldn't manage money, couldn't keep relationships together. What is it? It's not for lack of intelligence. There was a willful hardening of his heart toward God and the things of God. And he wasn't able to have that kind of understanding and perspective. He had a a resistant attitude toward God. And a rejection of his word. And some of those people say they mock it. They, they belittle it. They belittle you if you're a Christian. I remember we had a, a family member who was anti-God. 
and uh, he would be chirping all the time. He would be trying to harass and to mock and to belittle and to make fun of. And uh, it wasn't that he wasn't, uh, he wasn't uh, 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 an intelligent person, but he couldn't understand. And it was that hardness of heart that kept him. And so it, he looks at the things of God, like we heard this morning read. Uh, the truth and its foolishness. This, the Christ and what Christ did is absolute nonsense and foolishness. So it's an impaired understanding. Well, then, how can I read the Bible profitably? If, if those things would hold back people and, and, and keep people from understanding, then how can I read the Bible profit, prof, uh, profitably? Well, first off, it's going to, it's going to require illumination. Illumination. It requires illumination. I want to uh, just unpack a little bit of a, a brief definition uh, that I would uh, share with you. What is illumination? Illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life that makes the meaning of Scripture clear. Sometimes people don't, I don't understand what it means. I, I don't get it. I, well, the Holy Spirit in illuminating will help you understand with clarity what the message is, what that scripture is, what's the meaning of that scripture. And beyond that, convinces a person of its truthfulness. See, you can understand what it is, but you can not necessarily believe that it's truthful. And it provides enlightenment regarding its personal application. So what God is saying, you can't understand you can't believe it's true, and you can't put it into practice if the Holy Spirit isn't doing that in your life. If he isn't turning on the life, light, if he isn't illuminating for you to help you see and understand. So how do we, how do we move from here? Well, well, first, we have to acknowledge our utter helplessness. We have to acknowledge our utter helplessness. In John 3 and 19, it says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus came as light. He shone light. He shone understanding and truth. But the world loved darkness. It, it, it couldn't accept. It couldn't understand. And people need to come to a realization that they're helpless to make sense of it outside of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 13 and 14, we have this. This is what we speak, the Apostle Paul says. Uh, not with words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual words. He says before this that, you know, nobody can know the things of God except the Spirit of God. Nobody, the, the person who is a, believe, a non-believer who doesn't have the Spirit of God can't understand the, spirit, the things of the Spirit of God. They know the things of the world because that's their whole uh, perspective. And, and so he, he says this, he goes on to say this, um, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. It makes absolutely no sense to them. 
They can only understand if the Spirit of God uh, opens them up. They can't understand them because they're discerned only through the Spirit. So it brings us to a place of helplessness that we can't, we can't understand on our own. We can't do this without God, which is, which is what, not where people are. People would say, I can rationalize my way to God. I can come to understand. No, you can't. You can't, apart from the Spirit of God, have understanding and comprehension. So uh, next, it requires the Spirit of God to comprehend. We need the Spirit of, uh, of God if we're going to understand and be able to uh, submit to that. Uh, Jesus had a, uh, had a time with his disciples where he gathered them, and he asked them a question. He said, who do people say I am? And they began to share the kind of things they've heard about who Jesus is. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus turned to them and he said, but who do you say I am? Do you remember what Peter says? Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. We know who you are. That's who you are. And here was Jesus' response to him. Jesus' response, blessed are you, son, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. How'd you come to that conclusion? How'd you do that? Because the religious leaders didn't. A good teacher, interesting teacher, a rebel, a guy who's making trouble for us, a, a, a miracle worker, all this stuff. Who is he? He's... He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the Son of the living God. Hey, they never came to that conclusion. Peter did. And Jesus said, Peter, you know why you know that? Because my Father in heaven revealed it to you. You you can't comprehend without the Spirit working in us. Um, In in the 1990s... um, it was, they had these, uh, let's show the next, the next slide. Every Saturday in the London Free Press, I would get this little weekend section and open up, and we would have something like this on there. And how many of you know what those things are, these 3D things? Come on, put your hand up. If you... Come on, you guys. You guys shouldn't know that, because it kind of went out of vogue. Um, and so there, there would be something in the paper like that. So I, I, I printed this. I, I tried this, and it didn't work. There's actually, there's something in there. And, and you, have to, you have to look at this, and it's almost like, you're, almost like you're looking through it. And it goes all blurry. And then all of a sudden you realize, ah, I see it. I see it. There's a message in there. And uh, you know what it says? You don't believe it. In there, it actually says, I love you. <laughs> um, in fact, I'll, I'll let you guys, you guys can come up. I'll, le- I'll leave these and you can look at it and, and see if you can see it. Now, s- some people can't work it. They can't see it. All they see is that image. 
But there's something more than the image there. But some people can't see it. People are standing before Jesus, before the miracles he's doing and the teaching he's doing, and they're going like, I don't get it. I don't know. Some of you are still trying to see that. <laughs> Go. <laughs> and it can't get it. Because unaided human reason will never come to the right conclusion. And, and so um, what God did was he made it understandable for us so that we could look and we could see whereas other people couldn't see and the Holy Spirit allowed us to be able to do that. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of cool because I, I just, just thought about this yesterday and, and I went online to, to find these and I thought, oh, there it is. I see the message. And there's this kind of excitement. And, and then I could step back and there it is. In 3D, standing out the words, I heart you. It's actually a heart. It's not written out in love. I heart you. I love you. And so the God loves us. But some people never understand or comprehend. Without the Holy Spirit showing us uh, that we get to know who he is and, uh, and what he does. And so people... Don't come to the right conclusion unless the Holy Spirit is opening our understanding and, and our comprehension. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I remember quite a number of years ago, there's a woman who had come to our church for some time. And, um, and I thought, I, I need to talk with her, and, and I don't know where she's at spiritually, and as her pastor, I, uh, I want to share with her. And so I went and had a, a delightful uh, time with her. It was probably about two hours, but about an hour and a half of that was really talking about the gospel. And, um, and I shared the gospel as articulately and trying to make sense of it for her as, as best I could. And after an hour and a half about talking with the gospel, she looked at me and she said, I just don't know what else I can do. And I wanted to pull my hair out because I just spent an hour and a half saying there's nothing you can do. It's only by the mercy of God, by his grace, that he's willing to gift you salvation and forgive your sins. And she didn't get it. And I, with, with, uh, you know, with all of what I could do, the best job that I could do, I realized that I can't make it happen in a person's life. Only the Holy Spirit can open their understanding and their hearts and lives. And the Holy Spirit makes visible and understandable what other people can't see uh, and, and what they don't get. So when, when Jesus was uh, ready to, uh, just before he went to the cross, he told them, look, it, I'm going to be leaving you, but don't worry, I'll leave you another advocate. I'll leave you another comforter, someone else uh, who will be me to you. And here's what he said he would do. In John 16, verses 8 and 9, he said, when he, that's, that's the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He, here's, what, here's what he said he's going to do. He, he's going to take people and he's going to convince them and convict them about three things that he mentions, about sin 
and righteousness and judgment. They're going to come to an understanding that they stand before a holy God as sinful. That God demands from them righteousness and yet righteousness is not what they have. And that there is a coming judgment. You know, you share this with some people and they go, I don't believe that. I had, I had a, one of our relatives, a relative of our relative, shared the good news about Jesus with, with his brother. And here's what his brother said. I'd rather go to hell and be with my friends than go to heaven. Now, there's a person who has no understanding. You know, he doesn't understand about sin and righteousness and the judgment of God to come. That only comes when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. And when you see a person come under conviction that Jesus is who he said he is and what he's done and I'm in, I'm in terrible shape and, and I stand under his judgment unless I reach out for his grace and his mercy. And, 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 uh, and that's what he does. It's interesting to me. Uh, I, I talked to a woman some time ago I had preached a message on the love of God. It, it had been something that had stirred me so deeply to the core of my being. And, and I had preached my heart out about God's love for us and what he's done for us and, and how we respond to that love. And I said to this woman afterwards, I said, um, what, did you, what did you make of the message? And she said to me, oh, it was a good message. And I said, no, I, I wasn't really asking, was it a good or a bad message? I was asking, what did it mean to you? And she said, well, nothing really. And, and it, it wounded me so deeply because I, I can't make that. I can't make somebody know. I can't open the eyes of their understanding. Only God can do that. And the Holy Spirit shines a light and he awakens and he gives new life and he convinces and convicts about who he is and, and what, who we are and what our needs are and brings us to spiritual life. Well, how do I read profitably? It, requ- it requires someone's eyes to be opened. Beyond our independent comprehension. Had a, a, a number of years ago, uh, had a woman who was... Uh, who came to our church. She actually came on a Mother's Day. Her daughter, had, her daughter was friends with somebody in our church. And they had a sleepover. And then Mother's Day, uh, she said, Mom, can we go to church with my friend? And I'll, I'll never forget when this uh, woman left uh, the, the, the service and uh, I shook her hand and said hello to her. And she said, um, very, spy, a very inspiring message, Reverend. And, uh, and she came back another time. And she was, she was a professor at the university. And um, she called me up and said, uh, can I meet with you? I said, certainly. And came in, the long story short is she opened her heart to Jesus Christ. The week, the, the next week she came back and she came up to me all excited she said, I was reading the Bible and it was jumping off the page at me. It was just so exciting. I've never had that experience before. What happens? 
The Holy Spirit had taken the blinders off, had opened her mind and her understanding, and now she is reading with clarity and, and, and purpose and understanding that she had never had, and it was so exciting for her. In Ephesians 1, uh, verse 18, the Apostle Paul, here's a study that we should maybe do sometimes, uh, a number of the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Here's one of his prayers in Ephesians 1. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which Christ has called you. I want to I pray that God would open your eyes, that you'd be enlightened and you'd know about the hope that we have. See, as Christians, we have hope. Some people, some people don't know that. I, I told you a, a little while ago, a, a friend of mine, that we went through college, trained for ministry together, served together, we're friends, and I went and saw him um, two weeks before he passed away. And when I saw him, and he had a hospital bed in, in the dining room of their house, and, and uh, he, he said to me, he said, Kev, I'm going home soon. He felt sad. He had, he had four kids. He was leaving a wife and children behind, and he felt sad about that. But he said, you know what? I'm going home. Hey, how do you have that understanding? The Spirit of God enlightens, gives understanding of the hope that we have. He, he goes on in, in Ephesians chapter 3, and he says this. Ephesians 3, he says, another prayer, he said, And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. And here's what, here's what I want you to be able to grasp. I want you to be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Here's love this is a knowledge that you have surpasses knowledge. This is a knowledge you can never have by yourself. But this is a knowledge that I want you to understand how much God loves you, how deep and wide and is his love, and that it would surpass knowledge. You may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God, and it won't happen unless God shows you. Can you imagine? Uh, Lord, I want to know something about your love. I want to know how wide and long and deep, and, and it is life-changing. We want to be loved. We want to sense God's love. We want to understand the magnitude and the personal application of that. And Paul says it can only be grasped if God himself reveals it to you. Knowing that love that is transformative and comforting and strengthening, and it surpasses knowledge. You're going to have knowledge that surpasses knowledge. So the Apostle Paul, um, on another occasion, is, is uh, defending himself before King Agrippa. He's going, to, he's going to end up going to jail. But in there, he's talking about his calling, the calling that God gave him. And in Acts chapter 26, uh, we see this. I'll rescue you from your own people the Jews, and from the Gentiles, God says. He says, I'm sending you to them, to the Gentiles, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light 
and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He says, God says, here's your job. You're to go and open the hearts of uh, in the minds of Gentiles. He said, I can't do that. Of course you can't do that. None of us can do that. But as channels of God's grace, we can share that message. And God can open hearts and minds by the Holy Spirit that we could never do ourselves. So finally, how do we read profitably? Well, next, it requires personal application through obedience. See, you can read the Bible for knowledge's sake. Um, and sometimes all that does is create a sense of arrogance. Because I know more than you do. I can understand more. I can tell you more. I'm more important. I have more knowledge. And, and we were never given knowledge to, to, to make that a boasting point. We were given knowledge so that God could complete His will in us. So we would know what God wants us to do. And I want to tell you, there are scores and scores and scores of of scriptures that tell us about obey, 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 obey. I was just looking through Deuteronomy, and it's it's got to be like 20, 30 occasions. Just in Deuteronomy, I'm calling you to obey, and if you obey, I'll do this, and I'm calling you to to follow me. When we come to the uh, Matthew at the end of uh, the the, uh, Great Commission, Matthew Matthew says this in Matthew 28. He says, go make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You need to teach people to obey. And uh, it's interesting because in our reading in Luke this week that, that we're going through, I found a curious little place where a woman cries out uh, to Jesus in a crowd, Blessed be the woman that, that gave you birth and that nursed you. And did you remember that? Yes. Yeah, and, and here was Jesus' response in, in Luke chapter 11. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. God gave you his word He gave you understanding, and part of that illumination is he's given you uh, understanding not just of what it means, but how it applies in your life so that you can respond positively to him. And so how great is that? We read the word of God for more than knowledge. We read it to submit to it, to obey it, as the Holy Spirit shows us what the application is. Are you reading the Bible asking God to conform your life to the life of his son? And are you, you, do you have that desire that he would shape you as he gives you understanding and and then shows you what he wants you to do with it and he empowers you even to do that? I want the, uh, the, uh, servers please and the music team, if you would please come up at this time. This morning, we're celebrating uh, communion. You know, the communion can be a thoughtless ritual. Something you say, oh, I hope he doesn't preach too long if it's a communion because we'll be a little later getting out or something like that. Or this could be something that would, would so touch your heart. 
you would understand 